You ever look at a reflection of yourself and see who you used to be? Sometimes when I look into the mirror, I think that I catch a glimpse of an old me, as if for a brief moment I can see past the lines in my face, the gray hairs, and the imperfections. I see beyond the pain, the fatigue, and I seem less beaten down. And it's strange, that moment when I'm face to face with a younger self, when I'm looking back at a vessel carrying trauma and the countless scars it left behind, and that young me standing there free of feeling such bitterness and not yet driven by aggression. Aggression was the most misleading attribute left behind by trauma. It was so unlike me. Though I had felt that level of anger before, it was the same aggression I was filled with after experiencing military sexual trauma. Post-traumatic stress was something I knew nothing of prior to the Army, and I didn't learn much more about it while I was in. An Army psychologist had tried to explain it to me, but my leaders and my peers had me believing it was the war disorder, something portrayed only by those who had witnessed actual combat. And because I had allowed the opinions of others to decide for me what PTSD was and what it was not, I didn't understand that it could affect victims of sexual assault or even of domestic violence. And I didn't know that something like aggression was normal, that it was a normal human reaction, that it was there to help shield us from past trauma or there to prepare us to either run or fight. However, even with that being the case, the amount of aggression I was feeling was still overwhelming because it went beyond just being angry at those who had caused the trauma, beyond being angry at the situation I was in. By then, I had been pushed to a point where the anger that had been directed towards me was beginning to ricochet. The aggression had taken over to a point where the person I was, the person I had always been, was beginning to fade, and she was being replaced by a much darker version of myself. Hate and anger was what I began to use in an attempt to combat all the pain and the fear that trauma had left behind. By refusing to acknowledge the PTSD, I allowed the poison to spread, and it continued to spread until I nearly couldn't recognize myself any longer. Much of my refusal to accept the diagnosis came from disbelief. I didn't want to believe that after six years in the military, and after believing that I had overcome something like MST even, that I would struggle with such a thing as a civilian. I worried that people would see me differently. I didn't think anybody would understand. I feared what others would think, the criticism that would come from those saying it was all for attention or compensation. I didn't want to get torn apart by the very people I had tried for so long to be strong in front of. I had bottled so much away to avoid being just another one of those females everyone is trying to use to say we shouldn't be allowed to serve. And I didn't want to be another broken veteran. That stereotype, the thing so many civilians expect us to be when we say we've either deployed or served. I knew the story people would have would be wrong. The narrative that would be in place before I could even explain a narrative that fulfilled their expectations. 
a story that I didn't have, which forced me into a silence because my truth just wasn't traumatic enough in their eyes. Because for the veteran, anything not directly related to war, any trauma outside actual combat was something that you just needed to get over, to stop being dramatic about, quit being weak, and for God's sake, stop crying about it because you're destroying our image. So for the sake of others, to uphold that image of a soldier, to not feed into the belief that women can't handle the service, I went silent. And that silence lasted until there was almost nothing left. So what changed? I eventually saw what keeping silent was doing, not just to me, but to my family, my daughter in particular. She was too young to understand that my breakdowns, those outbursts and withdrawn behaviors were not because of her. And she didn't realize that she couldn't fix me, just as my spouse would later learn that he couldn't make me be happy. But they still tried. And that's a situation that too often ends in both heartache and disappointment for everyone involved. With keeping the silence, what I had allowed was for my behavior to get worse. Because part of keeping the silence means avoiding things like therapy or acknowledging that you have a problem which becomes a shitty situation for everyone. Because what are they supposed to do? What was my daughter supposed to do when I was making irrational demands of her? What was my spouse supposed to say when I needed to have control of everything, otherwise my anxiety would cause an outburst? They could have not done what I was asking them to do. They could have called me out. But if you're, if you're familiar with dealing with PTSD either yourself or with a person that displays symptoms of it, you already know what good that does. So everyone just sort of deals with it to the best of their ability. And once I saw how my behavior affected everyone else, because that's the type of person I am, someone that worries more about everyone else, that was when I needed to confront it, all of it. That was when I took responsibility for my behavior rather than continuing with the excuses. And by all of it, I mean down to every trigger, not in a way that I expected to erase them. I just needed to identify what they were. Every sensation, every smell, every sound, was I afraid of all people or just a certain image? I need to remind myself that when I could smell the same body wash the person who had abused me used, I needed to convince myself that he wasn't there, that it wasn't going to happen again. I needed to know that the sound of gunfire wasn't a threat necessarily aimed at me, or that the sound of an ax wasn't a man chopping down the door I was hidden behind, it was simply a neighbor feeding a fire. And by pinpointing each of those things, I understood my invisible wounds more. I recognized how the trauma had affected me, how it had changed me. And from there, I felt like I was ready to begin that healing process. Now, going back to the PTSD, for me, the symptoms of post-traumatic stress, they did not appear quickly. 
or maybe they were always there and I just was so distracted by living in survival mode that I didn't notice. Now I've already spoken of the denial I faced and what followed closely behind that was avoidance. At my worst, I was avoiding places that had too many people, much like I had done when I first got back from Afghanistan. And that led to me being isolated. Things like domestic violence had already caused me to isolate quite a bit, so the PTSD just prolonged it. And I became afraid of the dark. I became afraid of sleeping. My anxiety would increase at night, and I was horrified of what I couldn't see, of every noise in the dark, the memories that would flood in as I sat in bed alone. And the long nights would lead to a lack of sleep. The lack of sleep would lead to fatigue, and the fatigue would lead, lead to the inability to concentrate and irritability, a short fuse. And that eventually led to more depression, stacking on top of the depression I was already dealing with, and more anger. And all of that together was just overwhelming. Living in constant fear, constantly feeling surrounded by a threat that may or may not exist because I didn't know. Even when I reached that point where I was ready to acknowledge the impact of the trauma, I wasn't sure really where to start making a change or how to start letting go. Now, I had friends from the army that had PTSD from going into a combat zone, but I didn't even feel like I could reach out to them about it. A, because I didn't want to approach anyone about their trauma and put them through more uncomfortable feelings. B, I worried that they wouldn't believe my own trauma. And C, I figured what we dealt with in terms of PTSD differed because of how our trauma differed. But what I would later find was that there was some stuff that we could relate to. We didn't have to compare our traumas, but we could have understood what the other was dealing with afterwards. I had had constant exposure to my trauma for over two years. And during that time, a number of different traumas had occurred. And also during that time, I was reminded of past traumas like MST because of that happening while I was in the military and behavioral health being pretty frowned upon, I never actually processed it or dealt with it after it happened. It was just another one of those things that got buried over the years until it wasn't anymore. Where we differed was that unlike my veteran friend with my trauma, I wasn't both the victim of violence and the cause of it. I was just the victim of violence. He had been both. And that would be something I could never understand or relate to when it came to my friend because he had had to carry out horrific acts of war. So we did differ in that way. And that was a really big way to differ. Even though we all dealt with being irritable, jumpy, anxious, with always feeling like we had to be on guard and our brains had essentially been rewired for surviving, whether it was for war or violence. And again, our traumas were very different, but none of us could escape the memories or our triggers. 
We had all attempted to detach and run from uncomfortable feelings. A few of us had chosen loneliness over letting anyone in because that was safe. People had failed us in some way. So people in our minds that were now altered needed to be avoided. When in many ways, people were, were what we needed. Community, a tribe, as Sebastian Younger would say, others who understood, anyone that could help us in those moments when an imagined threat felt far too real or our guilt, shame, fear, pain, grief, whatever it was, began to weigh too heavily on us. Someone to not necessarily pull us out of the dark, but to maybe remind us that there was a light. Because you have to get yourself out of that darkness. You don't have to be alone while you're doing it, but you do have to want to save yourself. I saw a video by Will Smith sometime last year where he said, and this isn't a direct quote, someone else's happiness is not your responsibility. You should be happy individually, then come together and share that happiness. And I thought about that. Just as my happiness was my responsibility, so was my healing. So that hate and aggression I had become filled with, I began working on replacing it, bringing back the kindness I was always known for having. Time is valuable. Plenty of people wish they could have more of it. And time is something that nobody is really guaranteed. And what I grew tired of doing with my time was allowing it to be stolen by my past. I got tired of feeling like I was wasting it. Emotional abuse, military sexual trauma, the pain that came from each, all became part of a silent war. And that silence was broken when I dug down to recover the pieces of me that I cherished, the nurturer, the fighter. And as each reemerged, the pieces of joy and security and my belief that not all humans are evil and all these things began to be restored, the anger faded. The hate I held was let go once I realized it was only hurting me. It took me a long time to talk about PTSD and healing definitely does not happen overnight. So I did write about it because when I wrote about it, I could express how I felt and I could talk about what had happened to me on paper because on paper, it allowed me to confront what I believed was my newer, darker self. It was a way to confront myself before I could really look in the mirror. But when I became willing to look at myself in the mirror and I was willing to search for more than the flaws and the imperfections, and I was willing to try to see the good that was still there, not that stress and trauma had aged me because life's gonna do that regardless. I needed to see that within those lines, within the graying hair and that look of fatigue, the scars, all that wear and tear, it had come from strength, the will to live, the willingness to have fought and survived. I learned to see the human that was standing there looking back at me. 
And that human I saw was allowed to have lows, allowed to have rough days and to struggle. That's normal. That is life. But that human was also a fighter, a survivor, a warrior in her own way. And I know many of the people that listen to this podcast are those things as well. So the next time you look in the mirror, look past what you see as flaws. Because you are strong, you are wise, you are capable, and healing is possible. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please reach out to our Instagram page at cruise underscore corner.